So today, I'm continuing in the series, The Foundation of Truth, and this is part two of a subtitle, We Are One. And last week, we were in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse uh, four, verse 15, and the part of it I focused on was the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And there's another piece of scripture just before that telling how we ought to live in the household of God. Because it says the church is the, of the living God is the pillar and the foundation of the, of the truth. And I also said, what is that truth? That the truth that's been referred to is the truth about who God is, his relationship to man, and how we ought to live. And, uh, and the context of this, of this series and this me- message is focusing on how the people in the household of God ought to live. We have to be an example to the world of people of different races, cultures, backgrounds can live together as one and what it takes for that to happen. I was also in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 19. This is just for your reference. And Paul was, in the, in the letter he wrote to the church of, uh, for the saints in Ephesus, uh, they were Gentiles, not non-Jews. He was explaining that before Christ, they had no relationship or access to the Heavenly Father. That the Gentiles were separated from God. And now, since they believed in Christ, they were brought near or reconciled to God through the blood of Christ. And Paul also referred to that it, even the circumcised Jew who were under the law and the uncircumcised Gentile who had no law, all were guilty before God and needed to be saved or cleansed by Christ. So that's why it says we are all reconciled to God through the blood of Christ. So Christ destroyed the barrier and made the Jew and Gentiles one through his death. There is no separation, but there's a new creation, a new man in Christ Created, made it up, made up of Jews and Gentiles. And that same, that new man has the mind and the heart of Christ himself. Because we are the body of Christ. We are of the household of God. Now Christ preached, preached peace to the Jews and non-Jews so that both can be reconciled to God in, in one body. Now there can be unity, oneness between different kinds of people, because we all, Jew or Gentile, all have access to the same Heavenly Father by the Holy Spirit through Christ. There is no distinction. Anyone who wants access to God have access to God by that same Holy Spirit through Christ. And that is the, we call the born-again experience, right? So, the Bible, we also said in the scriptures in Ephesians chapter two, he says, because we have all been reconciled to, reconciled to God, we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So which is saying the household of God is not a, is not a church building. It's not an institution or is it a denomination? The church is a people who has a spirit of God in them. And that spirit allowed God to abide in people and people in God so that they can be one with God. 
So when people talk about a ch- going to church, you're not going to church, you're going to the building. The church comes to the building and congregate together. That's, that's, you always have to remember that. Remember, the church is not a, a denomination, it's not a building, but it's a people who, are, who where the Spirit of God abides in them. Now, I also said there were two categories of people, those in Christ and those outside of Christ. Now, there's a way the people in Christ must live, and there's a way the people outside of Christ live. We are not the same. Understand, when you're in Christ, you're not like the people in the world. Because the people in Christ have a different mind and a different heart. The way we ought to live, I'm not saying that's the way we live or everyone lives, but there are many people who are living the way Jesus said they ought to live, and there are many people who are in the body of Christ who have yet to understand what the love of God is and live the way Jesus wants them to live and expects them to live and commanded them to live. The Bible also states that we are in the world, uh, but we are not of it. So there are many things, as I said last time, in this world which divide people. However, we are not of the world, and we should not allow the things that cause division in the world to divide us in the body of Christ. We should be the example of what true unity should be. And today, I just want to focus on how God sees us, you know, how he sees each one of us in Christ and how we ought to see each other. You know, for us to understand how we are to love one another, first we have to understand how God sees every one of us. When we understand how God sees every one of us, we have to understand that's how we ought to see each other and love each other the way God loves us. So I'm just going to touch on a few things today. And um, it's not a complete list, but I'm just going to touch on a few things so that you can understand how God sees us. And with, when you have that mindset and understanding, you will understand how you ought to see your brother, how you ought to see the fellow members in the household of God, whether race, whether economic background, whether it, status, it doesn't matter. The way God sees us is the way we ought to see each other. Okay? So, number one, God created each one of us in his image and likeness. And I'll give some scripture references. If you like, you can record those and then, and read the scriptures on your own time. So the reference to this is Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Every human being on this earth was created in the image and likeness of God. Of all of God's creation, man is the only creation. He said, God said, let us make man in our image and likeness. No other creation. God made that statement. So it just also shows you how unique man is when God created him in his likeness and his image. Even the angels weren't created in the image and likeness of God himself. Man was the only one God created in his own image and likeness. Now let's understand, even though every human being on the earth was created in God's image and likeness, not every human being on the earth is a son of God or a child of God. So I'm re- my, the context of what I'm talking here is now is that in the, those in the body of Christ, those of the household of God. We are his children. 
We are created in the image and likeness of God, and we are in Christ. When you are in Christ, you have the you have the authority to say, I am a child of God. Because you are in Christ. Christ is a son of God. And we are in Christ. We are also now called sons of God. When I say sons, it's not a gender. He's, God is the father of our spirits. And our spirits does not have a gender. Our spirits doesn't have a race. The spirit is the spirit. He's the father of our spirits because we came from God. So we are his children. And because we are members of the household of God, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. I use the term brothers and sisters because we are in time and space and we are male and we are female. So I use the the term and I quote, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. But the Bible always refers to us as brethren. Brethren is is a generic term for, for brothers or sisters in Christ because they're referring to spirits as spirits and not the gender. Okay, so God is the father of our spirit. How does God see us? us? He sees us individually and corporately as his children, and we are the apple of his eye. The reference to that is Psalm 17.8 and Zechariah 2.8. God sees each and every one of us individually and corporately as the apple of his eye. And what does that mean? That means each of us is precious to God. And he will vigorously defend his children. When you are in Christ, you're no longer outside. You are his child and you are the apple of his eye. Each one of us individually is the apple of God's eye. Okay. And that's the way we ought to see each other as precious and valuable. He has given us the same spirit. That is the spirit of his son. And that's in, you can reference John chapter 17, verse 22. God has given us that same spirit that was it is, that's in his son. The spirit, the Holy Spirit of promise. When you are in Christ, you, when you become born again, when you become a member of the household of God, the Holy Spirit, God gives you, the Holy Spirit comes in your spirit and awakens you. And makes your spirit alive to the things of God. So he has given you of his spirit. Man, when he was created, God breathed into that, into that clay and gave it life. Even though man has that spirit, because he fell from God, he's separated. So there is a spirit that gives the body life and there's a Holy Spirit which gives a different kind of life to the one who believes and come into Christ. The blinders have been removed. When the Holy Spirit comes into that spirit that's separated from God, the blinders have been removed and we can see and we can hear and understand the things of God. So God has given each one of us his of his spirit, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That spirit is alive in us and that spirit is the one that teaches us the things of God. The Lord does not see us based on our physical appearance. Even though we have different races, we have different colors, God does not see us or look at us based on our physical appearance. And the scripture is 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. And the scripture says, the Lord does not see as man sees. 
For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God does not look at people based on their outward appearance. He looks at people's heart. And what does that mean? He looks at those who are willing to obey and trust him. He looks at those who are who has a heart after him, who are loyal to him. Understand, and that's the way, and there's another, another scripture in the Bible where the apostle said, even though we walk with Christ, we no longer know him after the flesh, but we know him now after the spirit. And that's the way we ought to know each other after the spirit, after the heart of the person, the character of the person, not by their appearance, but what's in their heart, what they're saying, what they're doing. We know no longer anyone after their parents, but after the, but after this, the heart, after the spirit. Okay. So we are in Christ and we have all been redeemed by the death of Christ, which was a unique and precious transaction not to be taken lightly. This is how much God loved us. The blood of Christ is special and God sent his son who came willingly to die to shed that precious blood so that we can all be redeemed and be reconciled to God. So that tells you how precious that blood is. And to tell you the investment God made so that we can come before him in the, due to the, because of the redemption, the redemptive work of Christ, we can come before God and call him father and call each other brethren. That's very important and that's very powerful. So we see the preciousness of God that we are in God's sight. And if we say we love Jesus, we also ought to see each other the same way God does, as precious and valuable. And know one another after the spirit and not after our appearance. We don't not supposed to judge people based on how they look, by their color, by how well they dress, what kind of car they drive, what kind of house they live in, etc., etc., etc. We ought not to judge based on outward appearance, but after the spirit. And how do you know what's in somebody's heart? You got to take the time to talk to that person. If you see somebody of a different race or, or background, the only way you're going to know what's in that person's heart, you got to talk to that person. You got to put your guard down and go talk to the person. And when you realize if that person is in Christ, if they really love Jesus, there is a, a witness in your spirit. When the person starts speaking about the things of God, you immediately pick up on it and you, and there's a, you start talking about the things of God and the conversation is such uplifting and you edify one another. Why? Because you're speaking based on things that you have learned and experienced by the spirit of God. So you edify one another and there's a witness in your spirit that that person is also a child of God because of what's coming out their mouth. And when you finish in that interaction, there is a, you are edified and also that person you have spoken to has been edified by your words. And that's why we are in the body. That's why we are members of the household. So we, we can edify one another in the faith and help each other walk this walk of Christ and live in this crazy world that we are living in so that we can overcome, endure, 
and be the people who God has called us to be and ordain that we be who we are in this time in history so that we can manifest the glory of God when we are outside in that world. So after all, we are one new man in Christ. There is no distinction. There is no separation. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the scripture reference for that, the second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. We are, there is no distinction. God doesn't treat any race better than, than any other. We are all the same in his eyes. We are all precious and valuable. We are the apple of his eye. So there is no separation in God and there should be no separation in the body of Christ. I would like you first to turn to first John chapter three and then turn to first and then go to verse chapter four. First John chapter three, verse 15. And then the next chapter, first John chapter four, verse 20. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to talk a little bit about it. For first, first John chapter three, verse 15. Who, who, whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. I'll repeat it again. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And First John 4.20 states, If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. Oh, my God. So the Bible says here, if we say we love Jesus, and there are many people outside in the world say they love Jesus, but they hate people based on their race, they're biased, they discriminate based on race, social status, economic status. If they say they love Jesus, the Bible calls, well, not only them, if you are in the body of Christ also, and you say you love Jesus, but you hate your brother for whatever reason, the Bible calls you a liar and it calls you a murderer. I didn't make it up. You read the scripture there for yourself. It says, if you say you love God, if you say you love Jesus and you hate your brother, the Bible calls you a liar and it calls you a murderer. If you hate your brother. I mean, those are intense words, but it's the truth. Why does it call you a liar and a murderer? Look at what people are doing to each other out in the world. Look at what people are doing to each other in the church. If you hate your brother, you're a liar and you're a murderer. That's why I said it's important that we see each other the way God sees us. If we say we love Jesus, how can we treat each other differently based on race, social status, or economic status, etc. How can we do that? If we say we love God, if we say we have the spirit of God, if we are a member of the household of God, how can we hate our brother? How can you do, how can we do that? It shows that we are deceived and we are prideful. It shows that we are deceived and we are prideful. If we lie, manipulate, and deceive to cause harm to others, you do not have the spirit of God in you. That's why it said in 1 John 
3, 15, it says here, if you hate your brother, your murderer, and you know not, and he says, and you, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. The only way to abide here, this, uh, the writer can, John can say, you have, you do not have eternal life abiding in you because it's because the spirit of God does not abide in you. Because the spirit of God abiding in you is a seal that you belong to God and that you have eternal life. But if you hate your brother, you are deceived because that stamp of the spirit is not on you. You're deceived. So when we, marginalized people so that they can be targeted and suppressed. You do not have the spirit of God abiding in you. You have been deceived. When you cause and perpetuate division and fighting among the brethren, you do not have the spirit of God abiding in you. You are deceived. When you gossip and backbite and tear down a person's character, or demean a, a people or an individual, you do not have the spirit of God abiding in you. What does the Bible say about that? The Bible says you are a liar and a murderer. That's what the Bible says. Now, that, that's deep, but it's the truth. If you meditate on it, you're a liar and a murderer. Let's turn to, to John chapter 8, verse 44. Let's go to the book of John chapter 8, verse 44. I just want to show you something very quickly there. This is Jesus speaking. He says here in verse 44, You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. Did you hear what, what, what Jesus said there? He said, you are your father, the devil. And he, and he, listen to the traits of, 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 the, of the children of, of the wicked one. The desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Why did he say a murderer? Because he hate, he hated, he hated God. He hates God and he hates everything God stands for. And he said he does and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks his own from his own resources, from his own heart. And he's a liar and the father of it. So when we went and read it, and we read in first John that the Bible says, if you hate your brother, you're a liar and a murderer. Guess whose child that person belong is? That person is a child of Satan himself. Because here, Jesus said in John, he is a liar and a murderer. And he said, you are, and he said, when you're speaking to the Pharisees, he said, you are of your father, the devil. And they were religious people. But he said, you have the, you are, you're a liar and you have the heart of a murderer. That's who your father is. So anyone you see who say they love Jesus, forget the people in the world. There are people in the world who hate, who, who hate, they're just racist. They don't believe in God. 
But the ones who say they love Jesus and they love God and they hate, they're a liar and they're a murderer. And you know who their father is? Their father is Satan himself, the devil himself. Though I don't make this thing up. This is what the, the Bible says. Because when you hate, there is a, something in you that will cause you to do things that's beyond what God requires or what desires and doesn't exemplify the love of God. That's why that cop could put his foot on that guy's neck without every, any remorse. That's why he can do that. Because he's deceived. And he's a, he has a heart of a murderer. Why? Because his father is the devil himself. But unfortunately for him, he does not even know he's a child of the devil because he's been manipulated. The enemy takes advantage of his own lusts of his own desires, of his own bigotry, of his own hatred. That's what the enemy does. He takes advantage of the things that are the darkness in people's heart and cause them to do the things that they do. Many people walking this earth are children of the devil and they do not know it. And they're those who openly worship Satan. They know and they understand. They worship him, but there are those who are deceived. They do not even know it. So that's what the Bible says here. You are of your father, the devil. Examine to what we need to pay attention to. If you say you love Jesus and you hate your brother, it's not too late. It is not too late. Examine your heart. And if you're guilty of any, any bigotry, any discriminate, discriminatory thoughts or acts, if any of these things rise up in your heart that you say, Lord, forgive me intentionally or intentionally repent and ask forgiveness for your sins. That's why we have Jesus. That's why we have the blood of Jesus. We can come before him and ask forgiveness and, and, the, and the love of God and the blood of Christ cleanses us of that unrighteousness in our hearts. And we have to turn from our wicked ways. Come to God and say, Lord, forgive me of my thoughts. Forgive me of my hatred. Forgive me of my sins. And create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. The Lord would honor it if you pray in faith and if you're sincere about your, your act of repentance. He will honor it if you turn away from your sin. Because that's what repentance means. Repentance means that you turn away from known sin. That's what it means to repent of your sins. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. One more scripture I want to show you here. Okay, I'm going to start reading. This is what Je this is Jesus speaking again. Well, let me go before. Let's go to verse 20. Jesus says here, By their fruits you will know them. What people say and what people do reflects their character, and what's in their heart. He said, by their fruits, you will know them, if they are of God or if they're not of God. And verse 21, this is a scripture I want to get to. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Glory to God. What is, he, what is Jesus saying there? 
He said, not everyone who comes before me and said, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. He's saying here, and if you read the other scriptures, there, he said, those, only those who do the will of my father in heaven. What is that will of the father? The will of the father is that we will love one another. And Jesus gave a commandment. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So this is the will of God. The will of God for us in the body of Christ is that we love one another. And many would say, Lord, Lord, we love you. We did this in your name. We did that in your name. And he will reject them. Why? Because they did not love the brethren. But we have to understand what it means to love one another. We have to see each other through the lens of God. We have to have the mind of Christ. We have to have the love of God in our hearts because the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the, and through the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will teach us how to love the brethren. But we have to know the word of God. And when we know the word of God and the Holy Spirit bring to our remembrance and teach us what's in the word, he graces us and gives us the strength to love the brethren. And we don't see people based on their race or based on their or, or, or gender or based on age or any such thing. We see each other based on the heart that's in that person because they have the same spirit and the heart of God as we have. That's hard for the world to do. That's very hard for the world to do because they are a mixture in the world. There are many in the world who love God but don't believe in Jesus. The only unifying person, the Bible says, that gives man, fallen man, access to the heavenly father is Jesus Christ himself. Because if you understand the plan of God before the foundations of the world, God's plan was that all nations will worship him through Christ so that there is no distinction. Christ is the cornerstone of the household of God, where people of all races can come before the Father and worship him in spirit and in truth. Because by this man, Christ, his blood has was shed so that all can come before the Father in his righteousness not in the righteousness of any man or other man or religion. So we first must acknowledge that we are not our own. We are not our own master. If you're in Christ, we all belong to God because we have been purchased by the precious blood of Christ. We are all loved the same by God. There is no preferential treatment. No one in Christ is superior to the, to the other. We are all love the same. We are all God, the apple of God's eye. We are all loved by God the same way. We all have the same spirit in us, that Holy Spirit. And we ought to look at each other the same way and love each other the same way God loves each and every one of us. We must vigorously fight for the unity of the spirit and correct those who say they love Jesus but are not walking in the love of God. Don't be afraid to challenge other believers who are speaking contrary to the love of God. 
Don't be afraid to challenge in love. Don't get in arguments, but challenge in love those who are agreeing with bigotry and racism. Don't be afraid to challenge them, but do it in love. And don't do it out of your own reasoning. You have to be able to know the word and quote the Bible and quote what the word says about who we are and how and why we ought to love one another. We have to know, you see, the word of God is a, is a powerful and it discerns the intents and the hearts of men. You can't reason with people. You have to use the word of God and let the Holy Spirit give you wisdom and how to speak to people because it's the word that changes people's heart. Not reasoning, not philosophy won't do it. It's the word of God. Understand and let people know if you're walking and causing division and if you have bigotry in your heart, let them know that they're in danger of being rejected by Christ himself because he says here, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he that does the will of my father. And what is the will of God towards us? That we will love one another. So I'm going to stop there and I hope you receive something today. In Jesus' name.